Be back, bitches. Be back. Finally. God. It's been too long. Been missing it. It's been a. Uh, I haven't been able to like make ice noises on the mic in a while. God damn it! Pisses off our entire team with his. I love how whenever you start and sucking and when you start talking on the podcast, you turn it down like four octaves. Do I? Yes. You're like check one two seven nine check. I got the podcast. You're like hello, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I'm Kelly. Get it together, dude. So we had a baby. We had a baby. I mean, I didn't have a baby. You did not. You gave birth to it. I have it now. I have the stitches how it goes? to prove it. Stitch, yeah. mm-hmm. We know. Yeah. We know, Kelly. We've heard. So our daughter, Robbie May. Robbie May. Making her OK Babe debut today on my tit. Oh, yeah. Is she, is she feeding right now? She is. Oh, yeah. Nice. She also had a tongue and lip tie release this morning. She just before it, this. Handled like a boss. She's so strong and brave. If anybody ever wonders why I don't enunciate my words well. Yeah. It is because of the tongue tie that I gave to my daughter. Yeah. We <laughs> that found I just that now out. found out as, right before I turned 36. Yep. Yeah. But that being said, she is with us. And if you hear lots of weird noises or baby noises, that's why. Yeah. Or I just farted. <laughs> it also be that. Or it's Connor crying. Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> we have been talking about doing this show for the last couple of weeks. Today, she is four weeks old. Um, so we've been trying to make it happen, but we're still trying to figure out how to be parents. So we're a little delayed, um, but better late than never. We really wanted to tell our birth story because it's fucked the fuck up. It's, it's a, it, that's a lot of fucks. It's uh, it did not go the way we planned at all. Um, You've been hearing a lot of that lately. Yeah, actually. A lot of people thinking they have a, have a, they have a plan. Yeah, it's so they cute. They get punched in the face. Right? Um, yeah. But we really wanted to go more in depth on it and share our experience. Um, here's what I'll say. Little disclaimer. I feel really strongly about positive birth stories and sharing those. This is not this is not necessarily a positive birth story all the way through. It's positive because we are healthy. Our baby is perfect, obvi. Um, and we feel great and everything turned out fine. But overall, this is not necessarily what I would call a positive birth story. So if you're someone who's pregnant and you don't want to hear um, a really tough experience or it's going to muddy you know, your ideas or you are just not ready to hear this. If you're about to have a kid, I would say, wait till after you have the kid. Yeah. You're like nine months pregnant or close or whatever. Maybe just wait till after before you, maybe this isn't the time. Yeah. And I I, even said at my friends that are having babies, I'm like, like, tell me what happened. And I'm like, no. Yeah. And we also (laughs) had that too, from our friends who had kids before us, they also didn't want to project their experience onto us. And I really appreciated that. And I still haven't heard their birth story. Unless you're just bringing good vibes only. If you're bringing good vibes only to the situation and there's no, then yeah, share that. Yeah. But it's, I, I said the same thing to Mike who just had their baby Luca. Um, I was like, yeah, just don't tell, I told him what happened, but I was like, don't tell your wife. Like this is between me and you and uh, maybe tell her afterwards what went down. So I know you didn't want to tell her either. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. I, <laughs> everything's great now. And this is like a saying in golf, like there's no pictures on the scorecard. Like as long as he always finds a way to work in golf, I find like analogies. You guys, this is 2023. This year is not going to be as much of a hunting uh, analogy podcast. It's going to be more of a golf analogy podcast. You can make the same analogy, but I'm saying like there's no pictures on the scorecard, Uh right? So it's like the result is what matters. The numbers that matter. The baby's what matters. Correct. There's no like all the other stuff, you know, you could have, and you still have a wife. So I, uh, for currently, yes. (laughs) 
just one, which is oh, super unfortunate. Short, yeah, <laughs> and I moved to Utah, dude. Um, um, but yeah, no, I think you know this is just the first step in me spreading the seed to a broader community. Jesus. Anyways, so <laughs> that being said, if you are not pregnant yet and you want to listen to this and have more information, learn more about what's possible, share this with people who you feel like this might benefit. Um, if you know any midwives or doulas, I highly recommend you sharing this podcast yeah, with them um, because we have a lot that we want to say. And I'll, not that we feel obligated, but we do feel like part of having a platform and having this show for Connor mm-hmm. and I, babe, you can you know disagree if you want, but is really bringing forward conversations that we think are really important and maybe don't get enough airtime. Well, listen, we're, we're super fortunate and privileged in a lot of ways to have, I know more doulas than most women know. Yeah. So, and there was not one person that once I explained what happened, didn't have like a light bulb moment Mm -hmm. of like, Oh shit, maybe that was this other thing. And it was, it just, we got really lucky. We got really lucky. So I think if you're, you know, I think one thing we're, we're going to circle around here to kind of like broaden the spectrum is instead of thinking about the results, right. <laughs> to bring it back to what we were talking about, uh, what I was talking about, um, instead of thinking about the results, like really thinking about the principles of what you want. Mm-hmm. And then you can, those, you can always fall back on if, if shit hits the fan, you can fall back on your principles. Right. And I think that's really where you and I were strong in this. And what I was really impressed with you as we'll get into about this whole thing. But I think, you know, we looked at this and said, we kind of had this principle of minimal intervention. And I feel like we still abided by that principle, even though there was a shit ton of intervention, mm-hmm. but it was probably the least we could have gotten by with, without one of you guys getting, being gone. Yes. And so I think that's a good segue into, yeah. we've teased it up enough. Kelly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so. Where do you want to start this adventure? And we're going to finish up with some questions too. Everybody sent some questions in. So yeah, we'll, we have we'll like do that. So stay on tune until the end to, yeah. for the Q and A portion of the yeah. pod. Um, Well, I think that we should start with, um, you know, early around Thanksgiving. Well, I'll say our due date was Christmas Eve. Our original due date was Christmas Eve at our 20 week ultrasound, uh, which was the last ultrasound that we had planned on getting. Um, we were moved up to the 22nd. So just so everyone understands sort of the timeline, we never shared those publicly because I don't believe in due dates. I believe babies come when they want to. Uh, we ended up giving birth at 41 and four and or try to come when they want, when they're supposed to. Yeah. And then they get stuck. Um, (laughs) but I really just don't believe in due dates. I didn't believe in publicly sharing that. Um, but now, you know, as we're kind of going over this, I think it's important so that people understand. So anyways, do Christmas Eve, just before Thanksgiving, I start having contractions and I had had a pretty uncomfortable pregnancy and I had kind of had a lot of weird things going on. Um, many things where the midwife was like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. And even our doula and birth coach sometimes were like, this is an interesting experience for a first time mom and given what's going on. So start having contractions. Um, on and off, nothing like too crazy, but definitely felt pretty real. And the team was on alert back then. So we're about five or six weeks prior to our due date. Um, and then Thanksgiving comes, Mm -hmm. right? We didn't go to the hospital before Thanksgiving or did we? It all runs together to me. I actually think I might have been in the hospital, um, at the advice of our midwife right before uh, Thanksgiving because she thought I might be going into preterm labor, um, mm-hmm. because of the contractions I was having. And we wanted to rule that out because 
legally you can't have a home birth before 37 weeks. And we were about 35 and a half. Mm -hmm. And so she wanted to make sure that nothing was wrong so that we could have the home birth we wanted. And I was a hot mess crying about the idea of going to the hospital. So we were like, let's just rule this out. And so we know everybody knows the plan was oh yeah, home birth pool, midwife or two midwives, midwife and a midwife assistant who is also a midwife, our doula birth, birth photographer, who is she? She's not a doula, is she? No. No, Okay. Um, so it was just like, there's a lot of hands on deck. My mom was supposed to be here for the, for that as well. Um, so it was like, there was a bunch of, a bunch of ladies. My mom was also a surgery nurse for years and years. So she had been around a lot of C-sections and a lot of deliveries, but she was really excited to see like an unmedicated home birth and like all the things that she's never seen before having seen hundreds, if not thousands of babies be born, um, typically in an emergency setting. Um, so it was really, we're all really hyped on this idea of home birth. And I was just, you know, I talked about it a lot on on the podcast. Me and Emily did a podcast about just all of the business of birth and how, um, people can get kind of taken advantage of and exploited. Um, but as we'll discover, yeah, that's sometimes it's not always the case. Yeah. I'm glad you said that my brain's broken still, you guys. So yeah, Kelly, um, Connor's going to have to, Kelly has forgotten where we used to live. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's been really interesting. She's, she'll say things and I'm like, no, no. That's, not, <laughs> that's not what that was at all. Yeah. So sorry. Connor's going to have to lead this a little more than he probably normally does. I do too though. I forget. Yeah. Some, yeah. It's, but that's just lack of sleep. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So anyways, we go, we end up going to the hospital, had a horrible experience, hated this hospital, everything about it. The first hospital. Um, Yeah. The first hospital. And by the way, I'm going to be sort of vague sometimes too. I don't want to call people out and say horrible things about certain things. If you want to know more DM me and I'll personally tell you, especially if you live here, um, I'm happy to go into more detail, but for most people, you don't even know what these places are. And I also am not trying to be a complete dick, but We're also want to be honest. The hospital we got. That was good though. Yeah. <laughs> so we go, they do um, uh, the fetal monitoring. They check everything. They don't do a ultrasound or anything, but they're like, your baby sounds perfect. Everything seems yeah. fine. You're not having a ton of contractions. You are having contractions. We're noticing them, but nothing, you know, totally out of the realm of pretty normal um, mm-hmm. at this point in a pregnancy see. And so we were like, okay, so come back. Then Thanksgiving happens and we are prepping food and getting ready for all of our friends to come over because we weren't leaving town because we were too far along being pregnant. And I am doubled over in the kitchen, having full on fucking contractions. I'm like, Connor, I don't know. We might be having a baby today. Get our doula midwife on the phone. I'm like, here's where we are. Um, ends up stalling out. And this is really the beginning of the stalling journey for us is when Thanksgiving comes. Mm -hmm. So following that pretty much every other day from Thanksgiving until the day row was born on January 4th, I was in labor. I was in full on labor for multiple hours, um, breathing through like very real contractions. Um, and it was really, really exhausting uh, being in labor for five or six weeks mm-hmm. for both of us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> just me being always like on edge. And the funny thing is, you know, that went on for so long and I guess there's not that much. It was like prodermal labor or not. We, we just didn't know. Yeah. Um, we had people, you know, all heads on deck all the time, but <laughs> with our midwives and doulas and all this stuff, they could, they, you know, they were on deck whenever, or they were on guard whenever we told them. But for me and you, it was just like, we were turned on. Like I was just, like I was so exhausted yeah. emotionally because it got to the point where I'm like, 
Christmas time came, like, is this even going to happen? Are we going to go to, is it going to be a full year? Like, yeah. I don't, is this, <laughs> the baby's going to dissolve and it just like disappear. Yeah. And they're going to be like, ha, just kidding. Ashton yeah. Kutcher comes out and says, you're not actually pregnant. <laughs> was, yeah. I'm like, is this a joke? Is this some kind yeah. of like weird, uh, I don't know. Um, so just, it gets, yeah, you start thinking crazy things and yeah. I'm like, and then we even get in like an argument where I'm like, are you making this shit up? Are you fucking with me? Cause I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. That was fun. He was like, this feels like, no, let me just say, he I, goes, I but I can't feel what you're feeling. So I'm just like, are you over, are you overreacting to what your body's doing? Right. But I had to ask, are you making was, the contractions more than they actually are? Basically is what he was yeah. saying. And he said, this feels like when you do mushrooms and you do like a very small, tiny amount and you are blasted off into the ethers. And this is, is that what this is? Like you're being fucking dramatic. And I was like, I'm literally going to fucking kill you. <laughs> I'm in goddamn labor. That was not a pretty day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so let me go back. So I'm in on and off labor. We basically are like, uh, our midwife does the cervical check finally. Cause I'm like, Hey, like can we see what's going on. Cause this is disturbing. She says you're four centimeter, three to four centimeters dilated. I'm like, okay, well, great. At least I'm progressing. This baby mm -hmm. probably just wants to come early. And everyone keeps saying your body is just warming up. Your body needs a little more time to warm up and you'll probably have a faster labor. Like mm -hmm. you're going to have a prolonged early labor. And I'm thinking, okay, like that's what my body wants. Everything mm -hmm. is fine. And what you, by the way, spoiler alert, you did have a fast labor. Correct. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I only pushed for an hour and a half and homegirl came shooting out. Uh, didn't ready, particularly dude. feel like that, but yeah. anyways, so we're doing that. And then, um, we're, we're progressing and everything looks good. And then one day the midwife comes over and she's doing her normal check and I am very much showing signs of labor. Mm -hmm. I'm super out of it. You have to answer the door, bring her in. You're like, this is, we're having a morning here. This is definitely different. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, feeling the energy and she's like, I think we're going to have a baby in the next few days. This is, this is before Christmas. This is, oh, this is, um, like December 4th. Yeah. Um, Maybe or Maybe right after my yeah, birthday. It was, yeah, it was around your birthday. Oh yeah, I think it was after my birthday. So I think it was like the eleventh or the twelfth. And um, sorry guys, this is literally what we've been doing is just mm -hmm. in a labor funk. Um, and so we're like, okay, well we better get your mom here. So we get your mom on a flight. <laughs> she ends up being here for two goddamn weeks, and there's no baby. Yeah. And every you, you, day, you keep kicking the can in the road. Like, well, if you once you leave, it's probably gonna happen. Exactly. Once you leave, it's probably gonna happen. So it's like after two weeks, I'm like, you just gotta leave. Yeah, we're like, like we can't do this anymore. Like you're taking too much of your sick of your like days off. Like, you're yeah. just like I don't I don't want to take your whole you know, all your, all your paid yeah. PCO. And I'm stressed out because grandma's <laughs> here waiting for a freaking baby and I'm not producing. And so I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling like I'm doing something wrong. No one's which, putting any pressure on you, but no, we're all just like, but I, I happening? felt that because I'm like, but we thought we were having a baby. And so midwife comes, I have not progressed. Yeah. Uh, I don't know a week in, and we're just like, what the hell? Then Christmas times comes so your mom stays. Uh, my brother ends up being here. I still don't have a baby. My brother's in town from Hawaii, hoping to meet his niece or nephew and there's no child. And he's like, what the fuck? And so we do Christmas. Your mom goes home. My brother leaves and we're still just in this and we're getting really frustrated. We're overwhelmed. Labor's getting more intense every other day. Yeah. And it just keeps stalling out after four or after four or five hours. And I'm talking, when I say I'm in labor, I am between two and four minutes apart contractions 
doula Sarah on the phone talking me through things being like, okay, you need to call your midwife Adrian now, you know? And so these are the conversations that are happening. And then every time it stalls. And then everybody's, everybody's just really confused, has no idea what's going on. We're exhausted. And we're also like, we had thought the baby was coming. So you're off of work. I'm 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 trying to keep podcasting and doing my thing, but I'm like, I've got nothing to give. Yeah. And it's just, you know, because I wanted to take that time off after she was born. So it's just, it was just, a, it was a shit show. Yeah. So fast forward, Christmas happens. Next Christmas week, happens. My dream. Oh, by the way, happens, we've had the birth pool blown up for oh, yeah, the birth pool three lived, weeks. Lived in our house for a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and kept, kept refilling it, keeping it ready. Yeah. We were like, it and drained it a ready few to go. My dream of having a beautiful home decorated for Christmas and a birth with the twinkle lights and the whole thing that is now shot to shit. <laughs> so I clean out the house one day because I'm just like, I cannot, I need to move on. I need to let go of expectations. Clearly mm-hmm. she's not coming yet. And so we just keep going and we keep going. And then January 1st, we finally decide that we want to induce naturally. Mm -hmm. So we call the midwife and we're like, all right, we're ready for your induction concoction. Everything's been going for so long. Maybe we just need a little nudge. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's what they call. That's what she calls like a little nudge. nudge. It's not like an induction because it's not as, yeah. Cause it's not not guaranteed and it's not, you know? Yeah. So yeah. So we go down the castor oil fucking route and we also are fighting that whole day. We are screaming at each other. I end up going into the bedroom And I'm really glad I did this. Actually, I went into the bedroom and fell down on my hands and knees and screamed bloody murder. Unlike I have ever screamed in my life. And it was like the rage and the frustration and the confusion of the last six weeks finally coming out of my body. It had nothing to do with you or anything. It was just like, I had so much pent up energy. I had to get it out. You just happened to piss me the fuck off. So we were just, we were so, we were so over it. I was like, we were just burned out. Yeah. I mean, it's five weeks at this point and we're like, it's just like, it's just being stressed out constantly for a month and a half almost. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, yeah, you want to be like, Oh, we want to be compassionate with each, with each other or whatever. But eventually like, you run you out, run of, out of like, you're just, I'm on cortisol. I'm like running on cortisol for a week and a half, like or, or a month and a half. I can't like, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm ready to have a baby. I could not want anything more in my whole life. And also I'm like just fucking pissed. Yeah. And it, you like, it gets builds up and it's like, it has nothing to do with you. It's not your, I know it's not your fault, but like we found something to fight about eventually. Yeah, yeah we did. And so I reluctantly end up doing the castor oil. My body was telling me not to do it, but I just felt like, well, what else are we going to do? And funny enough, I don't know if I told you this. I told Katie, obviously. Um, but I, right after I did the castor oil and you and I were fighting and it was a whole thing, I went and pulled cards. I pulled cards for the first time in a year. I'm like, mm-hmm. now is the time to do this. I pulled the no card. And it was all about like saying no and pausing and waiting. And I was like, I shouldn't have done the castor oil. I knew it. An hour and a half later, I am violently vomiting. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, my body does not want this. Like it does not want to be pushed into something. This feels wrong. And it was just so crazy because you came in right before that. And you were like, I wish you hadn't done the castor oil today. I don't want to have a baby like this. And I'm like, Oh my God, what in the fuck is happening? What is the well, universe you, trying you, to tell when me? You, when you went into labor though, which you did yeah. soon after that, it's like shit, you get your, you get your shit right. Whenever, you know, oh, we were so, fine. It was so stupid. Well, we, were, we were arguing because we were just frustrated and totally. whatever, but like, it wasn't like it was once like, Oh, I mean, the theme in labor, it's like, 
Okay. All love and light again. <laughs> it's like we're, here we are. Yeah. Like, we are our best selves. Yeah. Um, Just needed a little needed event, you know? Yeah. So we, um, so as Connor said, I did end up going into labor that night. It was about seven thirty, eight o'clock. I start having really aggressive contractions. And at first I thought, because castor oil can make you shit yourself. So at first I thought I'm having stomach cramps cause mm. I'm going to shit myself. Um, and so I kind of like sat on the toilet, let things pass. Sorry, this is going to be graphic, but welcome to okay, babe this year. And, um, <laughs> lots of poop talk. Yeah. But no, they were contractions yeah. and they were really intense. And then I was on the toilet and my, or no, I was standing there talking to you and I was like, oh my God, I think my water just broke. Mm-hmm. Go to the bathroom and about to get in the bath. Yeah. And I'm like, kind of like, oh, I definitely think my water broke. Um, and so then I go, we call the doula mm-hmm. and we're like, here's where we are. And she's like, go get in the bath. It's a great way to tell if you're still having this. Pro- oh yeah. Yeah. When you're in the living room. And you're yeah. Like, yeah. She's like, it's a, a great, little bit, a little bit. Yeah. She's like, it's a great way to tell if you're in prodromal labor or if this is actually going to progress, yeah. the because bath will tell us. The, ba- the bath will typically slow you down if you're not in real labor. Correct. But if you are, it's. Yeah. You know, you're already past that point. So I go stand to get into the bath and Connor's standing there with me. And all of a sudden I just have a ton of water trickling down my legs. I'm like, oh, my water definitely broke. Yeah. So I get in the bath and it's not slowing shit down. My contractions are uh, what, maybe two minutes, a minute and a half apart at this point. Doula comes over, midwife is called, photographer is called. By 9 p.m., everyone's at the house. And I am in labor. I'm on the bed. We get the tub ready. I am laboring in the tub and in the living room on the couch, like on and off for about six or seven hours till probably 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, to the point where I fell asleep next to the yeah. In between your contractions, I would fall asleep on the floor next to the birth pool. Yeah. So I want you to tell. I want you to tell everyone. Sort of now that we're in the like the good part, I want you to tell everyone. Well, <laughs> sort of what your experience was of birthing at home with the tub and like the ambiance oh, I thought it was, and everything. It was cool. I mean, it, like we had had I taken the the Christmas tree out by that point. Yeah, everything was cleaned out. Yeah. yeah. So I'd done all that and we had, but we still had like the lights on the, we have um, a couple deer and an elk skull up on the, in the, in the living room. And those, those lights were still on, which were really nice. I'd wrapped lights around their antlers. Um, so that was cool. And it just looked really nice. Like it was, the whole vibe was really, really nice. And people were excited and everybody been, this has been such a confusing experience for everyone, including the birth team. Uh, Sarah, Sarah and I had a good like back and forth of like, I would get tired of pushing your hips and you were in the pool and I was having to lean over the edge of the pool cause you didn't want me in there until baby was coming. So I was trying to do the hip squeeze, but it's like, I had to, it's like, I really, I was, if you think I had to explain this to you later, I was like, I was like trying to push your hips together in front of my face yeah, while bending over. It just wasn't, it was hard. Um, so Sarah and I would switch off back and forth and yada, 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 but it was just a really beautiful experience would have been great if that would have been, you know, where it ended, where, where, how it went down. Yeah. Um, but it, it was not. So yeah, it was, I, I loved it. I, w- I mean, I, like I said, I wish that would have been the way things went. That was the plan. And that's what we had been waiting for. And I, but I think once we did that and it, like it didn't happen, I think we both like knew like, this is just not like we just have to yeah. throw all of our plans away. Yeah. So basically and we've been holding on for a while, but yeah. So basically we, um, were told to go to sleep around 3am because things had again stalled out and they said, you know, this can happen. Your body knows when it needs rest. So you could potentially just need some rest. 
um, doesn't mean anything negative. And then let's see what happens in the morning. Cause a lot of people will get some rest and then go right back into labor in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so we slept for a few hours. I was having contractions on and off, but very spread out, very light compared to what I had been experiencing in the tub. Um, and then nothing happened all day. Monday, the birth team was like in and out. We finally sent everyone home Monday night. And then Tuesday morning when nothing was happening, I wasn't progressing at all. After a cervical check, um, my midwife said, our midwife said, look, I think you need to go and get an ultrasound and figure out what's going on. Your water broke. And, you know, at this point, it's been 24 hours since water broke. Yeah. Yeah. Over 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Day and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to find out what's going on. We need to know if there's any fluid in there for the baby. Let's just Mm -hmm. get a better idea of what's happening. So we have more information. And so the heartbeat was good. I mean, everything seemed okay, but we just needed to know more. We needed more information. Totally. So we go to, um, Denver health, uh, which is a different hospital than we had been to the first time. Um, And we go in and they check everything and they're like, look, we're really sorry, but there is no more fluid. The baby is fine. They don't look like they're in distress at all. The heartbeat's perfect. Like you seem good, but we definitely recommend an induction at this point, especially Mm -hmm. because you feel that your water's broken. And I just broke down because the last thing that I ever wanted was to go to the hospital. And I was devastated and I was disappointed and I was upset with myself. I felt like I had done something wrong. Mm -hmm. I felt a lot of shame because I have been so vehemently against going to the hospital. And I also had such a, I mean, my pregnancy emotionally didn't feel great and was hard in a lot of ways, but overall was extremely healthy and good and positive. Um, And there were no red flags. So it was really frustrating Mm -hmm. to get to this point. Um, and so they said, look, you know, you don't have to do it right now. Like there's no emergency talk to your birth team and then call us with whatever you decide. And so we left, we went to go get lunch and just kind of let things digest. And we called, um, we called the midwife and she was just, you know, we told her what happened and she's like, okay, you know, let me think about this. I'm trying to go one more day at home. I'm thinking maybe I'll go into labor again tonight. I usually go into labor at night and it's been two days or it's been, yeah, two days since Sunday night when I labored, maybe this'll, you know, it'll start back up again. And we got off the phone with her and I just didn't feel like she was confident. She wasn't. I mean, she was open about not being confident. Yeah. She was really insecure about the whole thing. Cause she, we were all just confused. She was like in her, like, midwife groups trying to figure out what the fuck was going on because she's just something she, and she's been doing this for 23 years. This isn't like, yeah, you know, a, a, a midwife in her mid twenties, like this yeah. is a grown ass woman. And so, yeah, it was, yeah, I was done with it at that point. Yeah. And I just, I, we got off the phone. I immediately looked at you and I was like, I think we need to get induced. I think we need to go to the hospital. I don't feel comfortable laboring at home with our team anymore. Yeah. And, um, it was really hard and it took me a while to accept that. Um, but we called her and we called, you know, everyone else. And we said, this is what we're doing. We called the hospital. We scheduled the induction for that night and we came home and got our, you know, hospital bag ready. And the whole time I'm just feeling really defeated Mm -hmm. and really sad, but I'm still thinking at this point, we're going to go to the hospital. I'm going to do the Pitocin. 
and it's going to just send me into labor and I'm going to have this baby by midnight. Like, I mean, how can I not? I've been in labor for six it's, weeks it, it, at this point. It makes the most sense. That would be what happened. But. Yeah. And so we get there. Our induction is scheduled for seven. We end up not being induced until 1130. You get Pitocin about 1130. Yeah. So get the Pitocin and yeah, PM on Tuesday night. And hours pass and nothing happens. I am not progressing at all. And they actually come in and they say, you're less than a centimeter dilated. So they did a a different cervical check and it was much deeper than the one our midwife had done. And our midwife, what we wanted, what we liked about our midwife is this minimal intervention, right? So she's like, doesn't do like a deep cervical check for abundance of reasons. She usually doesn't do them at all, but she only did them because I told her she needed to. She'll do them upon request. Yes. Um, because it doesn't necessarily mean you can be four centimeters dilated for a month. You know, um, she said she had a friend that was six centimeters dilated for a month. It was like crazy, but it doesn't mean as much as, you know, it's not as correlated as people seem to think it is apparently. And that's what I've gathered because I don't have a cervix or whatever. So I've never felt one. But you're more educated than most people on this. Yeah. But what had happened was it seemed like is that it was, it was dilated on the lower part of your cervix was at four centimeters, but for reasons we'll talk about the top part of your cervix hadn't dilated. Yeah. Continue. Which I didn't ever get that explanation. So I oh, just didn't. going, no, it was just oh, from you. Okay. I only know this because of you. Yeah. So we talked about it. Yeah. yeah. I would, well, whenever things got to be like, I'm like, let's get, let me go talk about this outside and then I'll communicate it to Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we basically, and I that, lose my shit. Time out. <laughs> so the hospital we went to, hospital we went to Denver health, great place. Really awesome. It's a midwife based they have an incredible midwifery program. Yeah, well, they have midwife teams. Yeah. So there's like two midwives on the floor and there's one floating, um, seven to sevens. So we had, you know, the same six women or that we would see uh, the whole time we were there pretty much. Yeah. Um, so we were there for two nights and some change. Um, it felt like longer than that, but yeah. two nights. Uh, so it, these people were really great. There was no, there wasn't even an OB in the room at any point. I don't think. No. So it was all midwives. Uh, and then and like, nurses. you know, and the midwives, nurses, and then, um, anesthesiologists came in like things like that, but not, yeah, no, there was not an OB in the room and they're, they're at the desk, but they're not, and they're, they're on the floor too. Like you could be having a, a, a birth with a midwife in one room and an OB next door. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. So great place. yeah, it was incredible. I cannot say enough good things about any of that. Um, so we get to this conversation. You're less than a centimeter dilated. I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I'm also in back labor now mm-hmm. and I want to die. I haven't slept in days. I haven't slept basically since Saturday at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's Tuesday night, Wednesday mm-hmm. morning. Um, no, it's Wednesday morning, like middle of the night, early morning. And I'm just like, I think I'm going to die. My whole body is shaking. I can't stand. Um, she is flipped sunny side up and the Pitocin is causing the back labor to go exponentially worse. So basically the top of her head is like pushing against your spine. Yeah. And, um, it's causing my back to spasm and cramp. So I can, I am like screaming and crying and my whole body is shaking and I'm like, what is happening? And they are like, you're not progressing. We have to increase the Pitocin. And I'm like, you cannot increase the Pitocin. Yeah. I'm going to fucking die on this table. So, <laughs> and give, keep in mind that at any point through this entire process, Kelly could have been like, I want a C-section. And it would have been over in an hour. Which is what they normally do in this scenario. Right. Yeah. So, I think you got probably more conscious for this part than yeah. you are. So, yeah, now then you're it. me and Sarah, our doula, and um, 
Katie? Katie was yeah. our midwife. So we go outside and we have a conversation about epidurals. And Kelly, for a lot of reasons, didn't want fentanyl. Um, but we had a, a serious conversation about um, pain versus trauma. Like women in this, what I noticed in this experience, like you guys can tolerate a lot of pain, and especially in childbirth, I think your brain goes into a different place. Um, but having a traumatic birth is a different than having a painful birth or a challenging birth. It's like to where at that point, next time you have a kid or recovering or even like bonding with like, there's, there's more downstream effects of a, of a truly traumatic birth, which is what seemed like the road you were going on or route you were going on. Um, than just the birth itself. So we had to have a conversation about epidurals and anybody, anybody knows me like one, I think I did a kick-ass job of advocating for like asked a bunch of questions. It was probably more educated than most dads in a room, probably fucking more educated than more moms in the room. Cause I just like done my you homework the fuck and up, I was babe. like, people were like say something and they would talk to you. And I'm like, I would interject and had zero qualms about that with anybody. I didn't give a fuck. Um, but we decided, you know, and I came in and explained this to you, like that you needed an epidural. Well, wait, that's not that, what happened. That, that's kind of what happened. So yes, but you left the room. I'm already having the conversation with myself. I look at you because you say, what are you thinking? And I said, you already know what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm having a battle with myself in my head and okay. I don't know what to do. You, and I'm talking to the midwife and to Sarah and you take Sarah and Katie out of the room and I'm in the room with our photographer, Peyton and you leave the room and I look at Peyton and I was like, I wonder what fucking scheme he's coming up with right now to keep me from getting an epidural. That's no, what I think is we were happening just trying outside. To explain it. We were trying to, like I didn't say it with everything else, right. trying to explain it to you in a way, like I knew you better than anybody in the room. Yeah. So I'm trying to like give you your options in a way that like make the most sense without them just like, let, I was being the filter. Right. So you could just focus on what you were doing. Totally. But I, I just want. wanted we're to, on the same page. Yeah, no, but I want <laughs> people to know what I thought was yeah. happening in the room when you were out of the room, taking my birth team out mm -hmm. because I thought you were trying to going to try and convince me not to have an epidural. Yeah. And so you come back in, Katie comes back in. She has the suffering trauma versus hard birth conversation with me. Yeah. I am breaking down because I have used my voice for so long to be against something that I'm about to, what I feel like surrender to and succumb to, even though I don't want to, mm -hmm. I feel like a failure. I feel weak and I feel like a fucking hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And I literally was like, thinking, how am I going to share this with my audience, our audience, our community, our friends, when all I've done is talk shit on this. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really hard for me to accept that. And when Katie started talking about suffering versus having a hard birth or, you know, difficult, challenging, yeah, she's, she's experience, trauma with me and suffering with you. Yeah, yeah. I was, I mean, I was on all fours writhing, listening to her talk and it clicked for me. And I thought, I don't want to suffer and I don't want my baby to suffer. And she also said, I want you to understand this doesn't mean you're not strong. And I needed to hear that because I felt like she was so great. I needed to be stronger and I like was failing and it was really hard. Yeah. And I felt like I was letting you down. And so a little time passed and I, I think I gave myself some more time before making the decision. You were laying in that bed in the room. Mm -hmm. And I was still on the floor and I, I got up and I came to you and I said, I need to talk to you. And I said, I, I think I need to get an epidural. I don't know how I'm going to survive this. 
but I don't want you to resent me or to be upset with me later. And you were so incredible. And you were like, how could I ever be upset with you? Like you've done everything right. And you've Mm -hmm. tried so hard and you've done everything you possibly can. Like you were like, you haven't slept in days. Like you need to get this epidural. Well, the epidural then you could sleep. Yeah. I had to sleep. I was looking at, I I look at so many of these things through the lens of like nature, right? Like it's like, yeah, like natural, natural birth, natural. Also, you know, what's super like common is, Moms or ba- and or babies dying in birth. Right. Still births are super common for primates, hooved animals, like hominids. Like it's just, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And like nature's indifferent to that. So we're trying to like, we're actually like at this point, you know, I'm looking at this like, Hey, we're outside of that realm now. Like I don't give a fuck about nature anymore. Yeah. I give a fuck about my wife and the baby. Yeah. That's all I give a shit about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like if we need to, whatever, like, you know, you'll have to, with all the things that we were doing, <laughs> It's just like, that wasn't, that's not where I was at, but like, yeah, we do talk a lot of shit, you know? And I, and I still do. I mean, we can get into like the expense of this whole thing later oh on, but it's crazy. So yeah, I mean, you said that and I was, I was already, we already knew that was going to happen. You just needed to have your process to make that decision for yourself. I, I feel bad that you thought I was going to be upset about it. So I was doing, I was, a, what I was doing was the furthest thing from scheming. It was like, I was trying to communicate, get it communicated with you or communicate it to you in a way that didn't make you feel bad about right. it. Right. Yeah, that's where I was at. That's where I was at. But I can understand why you thought that's where you were at. You know what I mean? So we decide we're going to do the epidural. And when we first got to the hospital, I said before anything happened and this at this point, I don't think that I'm going to have an epidural because I'm still going as natural as possible. But I do say because I know that things happen, I say I want to be clear that you guys have epidurals without fentanyl in them. And they're like, yeah, no problem. And I'm like, okay, you do. I, cause I don't want fentanyl. And they're like, yeah, it's totally fine. So I have the anesthesiologist come in and they're giving me the epidural during a contraction. Super fun, by the way, <laughs> Connor's like looking at me, like, are you having a contraction right now? And I'm like, yeah, but you stayed still. And I didn't it. move. Thank God. There's a needle in my spine. So they give me the epidural. It's I've had them when I was yeah. in college playing volleyball. Um, it was a way different experience though. I think I was out for nerve damage. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember them. I think I was totally out, but I get it and immediately pain relief. Like Mm -hmm. the back labor had slowed down or had calmed down. We had also turned the Pitocin down before I got the epidural because I couldn't handle it. So then they were able to turn the Pitocin back up and had the epidural, I'm laying there, I'm numb, but I'm finally able to get some rest. I'm like, thank God. Hours pass, I don't know how long at this point, I don't know where we are, but um, they come in again to do a check and I have not dilated at all. And they are like, what in the hell is going on? We've given you the epidural, we've turned up the Pitocin, like this doesn't make any sense. So they finally bring in this other midwife and God bless her. I, I don't remember her name, but she was amazing. She was one that was floating that day. Yeah. She comes in, she's in there for, she's inside of me for maybe a couple seconds and looks at me and says, did you have a leap procedure? And I said, yes. And a leap procedure is a procedure they do when you have HPV to, um, I don't know if it's burn or freeze off the cells, the cancerous cells. Mm-hmm. I had this procedure when I was 25. So 10 years ago, I look at her. I'm like, this is a weird question. I'm like, yeah. She goes, you have scar tissue all over your cervix, which is keeping you from dilating. And 
it's from this procedure. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, this is why you've been in labor on and off for so long is because you keep progressing and then it it's like you're hitting a wall. And that's how I explained it the whole time. I'm like, I feel like I'm hitting a wall. And she's like, you're hitting a wall. You're literally hitting a wall. Yeah. So what was going on here? And this is how it was explained to me because you were yeah. out of it. Um, is that it was like a cone. It was like a V shape. So like down here, you were four centimeters or five centimeters dilated. Uh -huh. It was one to open up, but up here it was bound together with scar tissue. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I, like, this is just how it was explained, but like, so when she got in there and she broke that up, like it went like this. Yeah. So it was like, a, fully it was like it was, yeah, there's like a drawbridge kind of, it was like, boop. Cause it is, it met where it was trying to go, but you just kept stalling out because that scar tissue had, had adhered the top of your cervix. Um, and it wouldn't let you go. Yeah. And it was just like, uh, like when it happened though, it was like, boom, like five centimeters, six yeah. centimeters, 10. It was like, you were, it was going, it was so like it was, and she was trying to come like before Christmas. Yeah. It's so fucking crazy. Which I knew. Me. And I said, and everyone reason, told me your first baby doesn't come early. And I'm like, yeah, she wants to come out. I am fucking telling you. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, I saw the look on her face. I was sitting over beside you and you, I don't know what you were doing or you were looking up, but she like had this like, huh? Maybe it's this thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember and, that. Yeah. And I was like, and I looked at her and I was like, what is this bitch doing? And, she was in there like and I was like, wow. And it's just because she had seen it before, but the more people I've talked to, it's like, oh, that I had a friend who stalled out like that. And, da -da -da -da. and it's because HPV is a relatively new thing. It's like, oh, so it's our, it's our generation of people that are figuring this out for everybody else. So it's, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm like light bulb for a lot of doulas, midwives, Emily said the same thing. Sarah said the same thing. We're like, oh shit. You know, we're not asking the right question. In, in our intake, yeah. we need to add this. Or we've had a DNC or these other things. Right. So yeah. Which I also had a DNC, which also added scar tissue, which is, was an issue for my placenta, yeah. which we'll talk about in a minute. Which you may need to know these things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is things that if you have this situation, if your wife has, if you're, if you have whatever, whoever's listening to this and you're going to have kids, you need to understand this. And yeah. it's like, because depending on, again, back to your principles, what are your principles? Well, that you have to make decisions based on those given the information you have, right? So maybe if this is you and you want to do a home birth, maybe a birthing center is the best choice, right? That's maybe one that's attached to a hospital and that this should be a conversation you, that you may have. Maybe you send this, you know, this podcast to your midwife doula, whatever, because, and then maybe this becomes a conversation. Cause I think this is something that just like people are not informed about this and we're finding out after the fact, mm -hmm. like most things in medicine, by the way. Yes. Continue. Yeah. So <laughs> she literally clears the scar tissue with her fingers in a matter of seconds. Like Connor said, immediately five centimeters dilated. We're all in the room. Like, I just had, it would have had a bigger dick than we would. <laughs> <laughs> like a, what, like whisk it. Like <laughs> your just your dick is a whisk and it gets the scar tissue out. A so baby dick just didn't do it for us. Nope. That's not it, babe. Um, but the whole, all of us are in there. Our midwife did not go to the hospital with us um, because I wanted the photographer and our doula there. Um, and you can only have so many My mom was there. My mom was here, here now. Yeah. So yeah, got mom there too. Um, so yeah, we progress. Things are moving pretty quickly. They, uh, we decided collectively to manually flip Roe because she was sunny side mm -hmm. up which had been causing the back labor. Um, and she could have come out the way she was, but they just felt like it would be better if she was flipped. And they and, turned the epidural down. Yeah. So you were really, you were more with it. You could stand, you could move. You started in a squatting position. The beds are really cool. Like they have a lot of different, so you, could, you could like sit on the side of the bed, but it had a little drop down thing where you could kind of squat. Yeah. Because one of my biggest concerns was laboring on my back and I didn't want to be, you know, 
in stirrups, laboring on my back, forced to push when I didn't want to push, like all the kind of horror stories and things you hear about um, of Western medicine and labor. I didn't want anything to do you with. When they didn't want you to push. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I fucking was like, "Fuck you! I'm in charge, bitches. You don't have but, a baby but, coming but, out I of you." I love that they were like, "We're gonna go here for ten pushes, and then we're gonna do this." And she has, she's like, "We need to get the baby's head under the pelvis," yeah. and, and it's like, "This is how." And she had like a strategy that had the, and the, I love that the midwives had this like. They had a strategy like they were they had this tug of war game they would play um, it was a whole thing uh and then once when she was coming and once her head got i think she said underneath the pelvis or through that opening it was gone it was on yeah um and then from my perspective like you get you started opening up and i'm watching this mm-hmm. and like it's all just like chaos and then like you have a flashlight and i just pulled my phone out and you could see her head like down there and then i had to go in the bathroom and like i started crying and then she's like, like, oh my God, she has so much hair, which we've not, all we've heard for the last month is, oh my God, she has so much hair. That's yeah. one of the first things I heard about this. I don't know what you were doing at this point, just pushing. I mean, I was, I, when I first started pushing, two things happened. I said, can someone please walk me through what this looks like? Because I have been prepared to push for almost a year now, uh, unmedicated yeah. in a birth pool or on my bed. Mm-hmm. And now I am fully medicated, somewhat numb kind of out of it. Cause I have fentanyl, uh, which we forgot to tell the fentanyl story, but yeah, we'll, we'll tell in a minute. Later, yeah. And, um, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Like, what does this look like? And so they walk me through what pushing looks like. Katie, our midwife has her fingers inside of me and is guiding me to where to push, which like was adding, incredibly helpful. Adding pressure down yeah. right, to show where you're, cause it feels like you're pushing out your ass. I literally birthed a baby out of my ass. If you asked me, I, there's, it, she did not come out of my vagina. Yeah, like it really, she's like, I'm always scared for my asshole. Yeah. It really feels <laughs> like you're fucking pooping the baby out. And I was right the whole time. you were right the whole time. And so it was really helpful to have guidance. And like Connor said, I had turned the epidural down and was able to, move. And that was so important to me. So I was in so many positions and I really felt empowered the entire time. It was Mm -hmm. such an incredible experience as exhausted as I was, because at the beginning of pushing, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't do this. And you know, everyone was so incredible and like, you got it. Um, I was like, bitch, you're doing this. (laughs) You know, you did not. I did Um, kind of not that way, but I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, well, I was like, well, you are. So we're doing it. So (laughs) you're going to find a way. Yeah. And (laughs) so it was really, really helpful. And they, they guided me through every breathing tactic and pushing. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because I did push when they didn't want me to, because they were trying to protect me from tearing. We talked about tearing. That was a concern for us. And so I get over there and they're like, you can see down the baby down the tunnel, you know, the, you can see the baby coming and it, you could see her kind of move forward and move back and move forward and move back. And she was almost crowning, which is like, you know, when the head starts coming out and she kind of comes out and like starts crowning for a second and then like comes back in. She, she like stops, sucks back inside yeah, of me. Yeah, they move. Like, it's like three steps forward, two steps God. back. It's so cool. But then at, like oh, her cool. vagina like closes. And then there's like just hair sticking out of the middle. <laughs> and me and the midwives are laughing. DM me if you want to see the pictures. <laughs> We're laughing our asses off at this. And it's so funny. And I'm like so emotional, but it's also just hilarious. There's like a tuft of hair sticking out of Kelly's vagina. And then she crowns and they're like, and when it gets to the widest part of her head, they're like, okay, we want you to stop so you can accommodate the breast by at least letting you stretch out so you don't tear. And you were like, couldn't do it anymore. I mean, I did it a few times and then they were just asking me to pause for too long. And it's like, 
I can't, I can't, Dude, I can't do it. it's like go. something is like exploding out of your butt and you're trying to hold it in. <laughs> like if you're on the road and you have to poop and, but it's like hard poop and you're like, oh my God, I gotta <laughs> hold it. In. I mean, seriously, this is what it is. And you're like, it's not diarrhea. It's like hard poop and it like hurts and you might bleed and you're like, oh my God. And it's like, no, I have to go right now. I have to go right now. That's what it felt like. I'm like, I have to go right now. Like if I don't push this thing out, my whole like, okay. body is literally going to explode. And they're like, okay. And I just, I and pushed she calls with me over there. everything. She calls I me over there and like tells me to put my hands. And yeah, then, once you got past her ears, it was like, Oh, I shot that bitch out. That was, I had to call, I call, I like legit caught the baby. Yeah. It was, there was no, cause I'm like, like, see the whole head comes out and they're like, okay, the shoulders are coming in the shoulders do this. Like, no, that once that head came out, dude, that thing was moving. And then I catch the baby. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that, what did it feel like when she was out? You knew she was out. Cause she, and she immediately started, it wasn't, there was no pause. It was like, by the time her yeah. shoulders were out, she was already like gasping and kind of coughing and crying. And yeah. I mean, it was, it was relief. I was mostly in shock though. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I catch her and then I don't even like put her on me. I just hand her through her let through your legs to you. You put her on my chest. And she was the first place she was, was yeah, yeah. it was on her chest. It was uh vernix everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. The cord was super long. They put the clamp. I mean, they didn't the clamp. The cord was time. around her neck and her shoulders. Oh, yeah, I, pulled, right? I pulled the cord out from around her neck and her shoulders, but it wasn't like tight. It was yeah, just yeah. on there. I also um, had a really long cord apparently. Like yeah. I, was gonna, I wanted to keep it. <laughs> The whole thing. I was like, yeah. it was, you know, it could be useful around the house. Oh yeah. You could use it for a leash for the dogs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, it was it was really cool. And so then was, yeah. they and were then like, Do you want to know if it's a boy or girl? And so you lifted her up and then and I, you yeah. looked. And I the whole so our whole thing was I wanted Connor to tell me if it was a boy or a girl. And so I didn't look at her parts. I looked at Connor's face the whole time because I wanted him to tell me. And he didn't even say any words. He just got teary eyed and looked at me with like this smirk. And I was yeah, like, I, well, oh, I my God, it's on a your girl. Chest and I picked her up and like looked over her shoulder. I was yeah. Like, peeked over, um, which I think there's actually photos of this. Yes. And I was just like, you know, I looked down and I, was, I know that babies can be really, their genitals can be really swollen. So I like really looked. I'm like, OK, is there like, is there a little pee pee in there? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and I just looked at you and I was like, because I had wanted a girl the whole time. Yeah. I wanted a girl and we were named her after my granddad. His name is Robbie Joe. We were going to name her Robbie Joe. We decided to go with Robbie May. Because, because of, of the Ty Tyler Childers song. Yeah, Lady, Lady May. May. And it's just like the whole, it was just like, I just love that name. It's great. Um, it alliterates well, Robbie May Moore. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the whole thing, but I was just so excited for that. And like, you you know, it was just, it was an emotional time. It was so incredible. It was beautiful. I was, again, I was She's in perfect. shock. All this hair. She, she was so perfect. shirt that has her, all her vernix on it. I mm -hmm. didn't even wash it. It's like in her little dresser. Yeah. Um, my mom was right there. So I told, I texted my mom, like whenever she, like, after I saw her head, I was like, Hey, come stand outside the door so you can hear what's going on. Cause she wasn't in the room with us at the time. And then once the baby, she heard the baby crying, she just came in. She was yeah. like, fuck it, I'm coming. But you know, which is what we, you know, she didn't need to be there for all of it. But she was yeah. like, she came through and so she was like the third person to hold the babies, mm -hmm. me, you, and then her, I yeah. think maybe, maybe I think the person who uh, did the measurements and stuff maybe, but it was oh, like, okay. she was the first non-parent, not medical, yeah. like, you know what I mean? So that was meant so much. It's her first grandbaby. She was, yeah. you know, she was over the moon. Yeah, yeah. That was really sweet. And it was just, it was so beautiful. And I felt so connected to Connor. And before I tell this next part, I just want to acknowledge, like, I couldn't have asked for a better person to go through all of that with. Like you, you were such an incredible partner and you were so supportive. And every time I went into labor for six weeks, like you just showed up and you were there and you were timing and you were like, what do you need? And 
I feel like we had such a found good foundation going into the actual birth because we had a lot of practice <laughs> and we had communicated so much. And even the way you advocated for me and for her, um, the whole time in, and in, including after she was born of like making sure that not even that we went according to our birth plan, but that we stayed true to our values and our mm -hmm. principles and you knew what mattered to me. And you also knew how important safety was and making sure we were okay and knowing how much I needed to sleep. And like you said all the right things and you were by my side the whole time and you held me in every moment I needed and you coached me. And I, the, you know, I think about this all the time. They told us when we were in the hospital that there was a girl in there a couple of days before us and she was 15 and she was alone giving birth. And I just think about like, just how fortunate we both are, but how fortunate I am to have had a partner that showed up the way you did. And I, I just, as much as the experience wasn't what I wanted it to be, it was so perfect and it was so beautiful to go through that with you. And I just really want to acknowledge you for that. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> I mean, it's looking at it now, like in a lot of people, like uh, we saw the guy at the coffee shop, remember, um, do we have one with us then? No. Anyways, but he was, uh, he was talking about, um, how like he wasn't even in the room mm -hmm. and a lot of like, even my granddad wasn't in the room and I'm like, how it was so, I was in awe of the whole entire situation. Like, I don't know how the fuck you made it that long without a C-section. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was just like, you were, I mean, you're pretty stubborn as it is, as an I, as am I. So I would have talked to try to talk you out of it probably, but like that didn't even, it wasn't even a, Unless they forced you to do it, I don't think you were going to do it. No, absolutely not. And, it never even crossed my and mind. It was like, and it was like, a, if there was an emergency or whatever, like we wanted the baby. Like yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, you get a scar and whatever, like what, the baby's alive. That's yeah. what matters. You know, the, you get to that point with yeah. things. But like just the amount of, I just didn't, like it's just, it was something, it was the most raw feminine fucking strength. It was just like, it made me feel like a little bitch. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, cause men can do so many things. Men can do so many things. Like I would walk through a burning, I, I would, I would die. I would die for either one of you without a second thought and like not, and like in my last moments be like totally worth it. Right. And it's, it's just a different, but like, I just don't know. Like I don't have that inside. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't have that inside. I mean, I got to see it. It was just so, I don't know. I'm, I'm really inarticulate right now with this thing, but it's just, all I could say was like, I'm just in awe of this whole thing. Mm. Like you and her, like she did, she did a lot of work. She worked. And she was so working for hard. so long like yes. for a month. She was trying to, she was like, yo guys, yeah. I'm done in here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready to go. She was very done. <laughs> so like the whole thing and then just with her and just holding her, I was just, it just, I don't know, man, it's crazy. I want to ask. It's hard to even make words. Yeah. I want to ask you in that vein, um, because I think it's really important for men, men or partners um, to hear this is what was it? I, I know in the moment what it was like for you, but if you could articulate what it was like for you seeing me and the amount of pain that I was in before the epidural um, and knowing I hadn't slept, like what was that experience like for you? Cause I remember you telling me in the moment. Oh, it was just, I mean, it was just, we were just so, I was just exhausted. I, I didn't, I don't think I felt that much to be honest with you. I didn't wasn't feel, I wasn't like, I, I empathize with you, but I was just, I was, ex I was tired. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I had to sleep on these, the couch. I was just, I had, no, we've been doing this for so long. I just had nothing left. It was more like I could think about that, that this really all really sucks for everybody. Um, and it's just like, I knew where we were headed. I was frustrated that we got, that it didn't go the way we wanted. 
it, but it wasn't mad. You know, it was just the same. I probably felt very similar to you. You were just in yeah. a lot more pain than I was, obviously. Yeah. I just remember you, you had tears in your eyes. I just hate it. And you it. were like, I'm so sorry. I, this is so much more painful than it should have been for you. Yeah. I remember you saying things like that. Well, the thing is, especially once we figured out, like looking back now, like what was going on. And that was actually a pretty simple fix. Um, that frustrated me, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm like, why did nobody, why did no one know this? Like, I'm not supposed to know this. You're not supposed to know this. Yeah. Right? It's not our job to know this shit. Um, we knew as much as we could know, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's just like, it's just, it was just, it was, I was just emotionally fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was, it, and that it was just so hard to watch. You know, you get after I've watched you in pain for six fucking weeks and nothing makes sense. And if we've even gotten to the point where we fought about it, which I hated and it was just the whole thing. It's just like, I'm just, you know, and I just want us to have our baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want our baby. Dude. Yeah. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Let's just have this baby. What are we doing? Like, yeah. why? This has been crazy. You know? Um, it's just, yeah. It, it's hard to even take myself back because it was all such a blur. Like I don't even remember saying that yeah. to you or even having that experience. I knew when we went to the hospital that morning though, I knew we were going back. Mm-hmm. And then I knew like, okay, well once the, the cascading effects of like, clearly something's not right. So things are going to go out, you know, I taken the plan kind of out, the, throw them out the window at that point. Just mm-hmm. was like, let's just, you know, I was, I was even comfortable with a C-section, even though I didn't want it. It's like, I was, I prepared myself for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Okay. It's hard to explain. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, it was, it's all so- such a blur. <laughs> Babe, I want to share with people a couple amazing resources that we have had throughout um, not only pregnancy, but also birth and postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is definitely more for me, so I can kind of take the rain on this one. Um, Ro also wants to share about this. Um, do you want to hold her while yeah. I'm talking about this? So big stretch. I think there we've we mentioned go. before element is extremely important when it comes to hydration in general, but especially when you are in labor and you haven't slept for multiple days and you are barely coherent because you apparently decided to get uh, an epidural that had fentanyl that you didn't know about. Um, <laughs> when you are really struggling to stay with it and when you are pushing a baby what feels like out of your butthole. Uh, Element is amazing. I literally- Also when you're breastfeeding. And when you're breastfeeding. um, I literally lived on Element in the hospital. It was Mm -hmm. the most important thing that I think I had in there because I couldn't eat very much. I wasn't that hungry. And then once I got the epidural, I was basically not eating at all. So I cannot tell you how much I recommend having packets of Element with you whether you're laboring on the side of the road on accident in a parking lot or in the hospital or home or at home. Yes. That is, that is a thing supposedly. Um, (laughs) it's a myth. I don't think it's ever actually happened. Yeah. And then postpartum (laughs) every single night, I make a big thing of element in a jar and I put it in the nursery because every time I go in to nurse her, um, she's co-sleeping with us, but I take her into the nursery and we rock and I drink element. And by the time morning comes, it's gone because I get so parched and thirsty because she's taking everything I have. (laughs) So if you are a mom, if you are pregnant, get as much element as you possibly can in your body. It is so good for you. Um, God, I think I've been just all over raspberry recently. Raspberry, watermelon, grapefruit. Yeah, That's those are the best ones. Um, so the like chocolate, the chocolate ones are pretty dang. The chocolate ones are amazing. And especially if it's cold. But I've been wanting cold drinks. Um, it just feels refreshing and I'm sweaty and smelly being 
You do smell Postpartum, like a complete asshole. It's pretty bad. So if you guys go to the link in the show notes, you can get a free sample pack when you purchase whatever you purchase, but definitely get as much element as you possibly can inside of your body. Uh, the other thing I wanted to tell you about is Organifi. So I preached this while I was pregnant. It was so important for me, especially because I was puking all the time to get as many nutrients and antioxidants in my body as possible. Well now postpartum, it's been so interesting. I've been having, um, a red juice and a green juice every single day because I'm trying to replenish, especially after losing so much blood, um, and being exhausted, not sleeping for so long, and then being up and down with her all the time, knowing my body needs to replenish everything that it lost during the labor process. No, we can't get that adrenochrome anymore because yeah. the Clintons are soaking it all up trying oh, to, yeah. to be 200 years old. That's it. Lizard people. Um, so if you guys um, have not yet tried Organifi or specifically the red and the green juice, um, postpartum are so supportive to your system. Use the uh, link Organifi.com slash OKBabe. Use the code OKBabe. You'll get 20% off of your purchase. <laughs> so she comes out. She looks perfect. We're just ecstatic. Everything is great. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I remember just like laying on the table like, all right, we're going to like birth the placenta now. And I'm just straight chilling. I'm watching her. She's taken over to the little table to get checked out. You're kind of coming back and forth between us. Um, and then a few minutes later, yeah, everybody, everybody thinks the birth story is over now. Yeah, it's not. We're just uh, sort of getting started. <laughs> the worst is yet to come. Yeah. So <laughs> everything's fine. Um, Sarah, our doula, who can I just say, okay, bad bitch. Wow. The best. You guys. I want to do a whole podcast. She's so good. I want to do a whole podcast on Sarah. She could just come on the show and we can just like cherish her. We're not worthy. Like I literally told her she's royalty in our home the other day. I was like, you can do no wrong. Also, incredible mother and has the sweetest children I've ever met in my life. Yeah, pregnant with her fourth child. She's a fucking savage. Yeah. But I remember after Ro was born and I think you were over with her at the table and she was getting checked and I just looked at Sarah and she was on my left side and I looked at her and I just was like, I love you so much. Like I could not have done this without you. I mean, you were an amazing partner and I'm so glad you're my husband. Yeah, but she like kept, she was there for both of us too. And she was there for both of us. She felt like my other partner in this mm-hmm. whole thing. And I will sing her praises to the end of the earth. Not only is she the most amazing doula, but she has become such an incredible friend. Yeah. She kept us grounded the whole time. Too. Yeah. She was just like she, such a grounding force for everybody involved. And so pregnant, like so yeah. pregnant. It was up all Dude, night, multiple nights in a row. And her were both pregnant. And then one of our, Midwives was, there was so many pregnant women in that room at yeah. any given time. Yeah. And they were just like, they're so long. She has three kids and pregnant and was there for so like probably was in the hospital for 20 hours. Oh yeah. And like you know? never, I, I kept checking on her and she's like, please stop checking on me. And I'm like, I can't not check on you. You're so pregnant. Like yeah. I can't imagine doing what you're doing right now, but she held space. She was so calm. She was so supportive. She kept just making sure like that I didn't feel shame or feel bad about any decision I made. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's an incredible home birth advocate and is a doula, but she's also had her own hospital birth. So she understood so much and the way she just held me and supported me and loved me and held for you. I, I, my God, I, I wish everyone could have a Sarah because your life and your experience would be exponentially different. She is magic. Yeah. She is just magic. 
and we couldn't have done it without her. So anyways, so we get to this point um, and the placenta is not coming out and it's kind of coming out. Was it kind of coming out? Okay. It was was definitely stuck. They weren't able to get it out. Yeah. So they're like, okay, push. And I was like, I would like push a little bit and they're like, it's not coming. We're just hanging out. Push again. Yeah. And so then they'd be like, okay, just wait. And then all of a sudden I start fading. I am no longer present. I can't open my eyes and I feel myself like almost leaving the splash. Um, this is like while the splash is happening. Yeah. So there was this moment where cause they have a, and you may not, I wish maybe we could put one of these on the screen. So it's a little bit easier editors, but there's like a little plastic, like, like almost like a tablecloth. What would you call that? Like a plastic, like almost like a tarp. Yeah. I have no idea. With a I pocket on it. it. It's like in the V shape like mm-hmm. this. And part the, the wide part goes underneath the hips and then it's down. And it's almost like the only way I can think about it is like, um, that's that show. Like, uh, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Like, and they were, they were like, they would be like trying to fill up with the, with, water like to meet a certain line like it was kind of like that it had like lines on it and so when the fluid would come out of your body it would go into this pocket it was clear on the front and you could see how much fluid had fluid barking mm-hmm. front, right so it's like how much fluid is coming out or she losing and that's and it also keeps it from going on the floor obvious utility but we heard this splash and what i thought was was the placenta just came out and like slid into that pocket and like just made a splash in the water but that's not what happened it was just a fuck ton of fluid mm-hmm. and a lot of that fluid was blood yeah Continue. So <laughs> I feel myself fading. I You're like white as fuck, by the way. I turn super white. I get really thirsty. All I remember is that I couldn't open my eyes and I just I could barely talk, but I just kept mumbling water, water. And they kept your mom was giving me water. Sarah was giving me water. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing, keep her with us. You need to keep her with us. Keep her with us. And I was like, what? What is what is happening? Like I didn't understand. I just felt really nauseous and um, just not present in my body anymore. And I just realized like, I can't open my eyes and I can't really talk what's happening. And then all of a sudden they're calling codes. I'm hearing like code white, code white, code white over the loudspeaker. Yeah. When you, when you start hearing your room number in the hallway, yeah, shit's not tight, which I didn't even realize was for me. It just like felt like a lot of chaos. And then I like kind of saw someone come in and they had called in this OB and homegirl was fucking elbow deep inside of me, ripping the placenta out of me. You yeah. saw that part, right? I didn't see her. I, I, knew, okay. I knew I could see what I could tell what she was doing, but you still had, I couldn't see her. I was, okay. I was with you. I was with you. And I was over. I said, Sarah, make sure they don't give our daughter vaccines. Yeah. And I looked at my mom and said, I did this. I said, no fucking shots. I was like, and I did and I was like, and I gave her this face like, I am not fucking around with you. I yeah. have to be here right now. And I don't want to leave. I'm like in this, I'm like, I don't want to leave her. Yeah. But like you're, I think you're might be dying. Yeah. Which I was. And this was like 20 minutes after I, we thought it was like right after, but it was like yeah. 20, we don't, we don't, time was a, a time fat, warp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't make any sense at the time. So I'm like, you know, and then the, the girl who didn't really understand, could really understand what was going on was like asking me questions about like, oh yeah, what I wanted to do with footprints and shit. I'm like, bitch, I don't know what's get the fuck away from me. I don't yeah. know what this, what, what, you cannot read the room. Yeah later like give me a minute yeah so we're over here trying to do this thing and um yeah it just got super super scary and i'm trying to talk to you but i'm kind of in shock like i don't and i keep looking at you looking and they baby, keep look. i keep hearing connor you need to talk to her you need to keep her but with i don't us. think i was um, i think i was kind of you weren't really talking to me sarah was talking to me i just remember feeling you and you were holding my hand and then i would feel you leave and you'd be like i'll be right back and then you'd go be with Ro, and then you'd come back and be with me and it was just like very chaotic i was like going over there and telling her it was okay and I'd yeah i can tell you you know it was just try, like i before all this like read a lot of gabor mate 
and was just like, this moment, these moments are really important for her, mm-hmm. right? Like those first moments, earthbound, like earthside, yeah. you're like, it's important. It was, it was a priority for me. So right. I was trying to balance both, but you were obviously the priority at that point. Yeah. And know? I just remember things got really real. One, when they were saying, keep her with us, I was like, oh, this is very intense. I might be dying. And then when the doctor said, um, I need to get your consent, we're either going to do a DNC, we're going to put a balloon in her, or we're going to do a hysterectomy to save her life. And they were like, we need you to she say was like, okay. Is that, is that, is that, she goes, is that okay? And yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, that's okay. We both okay. said yes. What the fuck? Like, yes. And like, <laughs> they... Um, they were getting ready to wheel me off to the operating table or operating room. And I just remember you brought Roe to me and you go, she's right here. Kiss her and tell her you love her. And I kissed her and told her I loved her. And I think I kissed you. I don't even remember. And then they like took me away. It was really scary. dude. Yeah. So I, like I sat down in the little chair that was over there cause you were gone. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? You know? And so I'm sitting here trying to like, I'm terrified. Like, fuck yeah. I'm like, what do I, I don't, and I'm even thinking like silly shit. Like you said something about like, you're glad you had the wheel set up. I'm like, I don't know how to even like, Kelly takes care of all this shit. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know how to live this life we live. Like this isn't, I'm like, I'm like kind of freaking out. And like, I'm like, I don't know how to, I, what I'm going to do, raise a baby by myself. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And I'm trying to like, not let her feel that. So I'm like, subconsciously like, you didn't do anything wrong. So I just kept telling her like, you are great and we love you and it's going to be okay. And I'm just like, I'm just, I've never been so scared in my life of anything. It was just like, it was a trip. And I, my mom was there and like, I tried to hold it together for a little while. And then like probably five minutes after you left, just like, I was just holding her and I'm like holding my baby, which I went from just like the most happy I've ever been in my entire life to like the most scared I've ever been in my entire life in half an hour. And I'm holding her and I'm just like crying. My mom doesn't know what to do. Sarah doesn't know what to do. We're just waiting. And you're up in the OR and they get the bleeding stuff. So luckily, from what I understand, like most of the blood that came out was in that big gush. Mm-hmm. And you didn't get any four. You all lost almost it's 3.8 liters of fluid, roughly four liters of fluid. A lot of that being blood. You didn't lose four liters of blood, but like you only have eight liters of blood in, of blood in a pregnant body anyways. Mm-hmm. So that's half of it almost. Yeah. Even if it's three liters, that's a shitload of blood. So in all that, um, it was just like, and then, you know, you're getting a blood transfusion. Like it's just, it's wild. But the midwives being, I mean, I just can't, I keep, I can't be, I'm just so grateful for them. I like came down as soon as they knew you were going to be okay. They came and told me you were going to be okay. There was no waiting around. Like as soon as I could know that you were going to be fine, I knew you were going to be fine. And so I was able to go up to the recovery room with you. You were still really, really out of it. You brought Roe with you. I, of course I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, she was in her little push cart, baby push cart thing. that Everybody sees with the clear sides, the whole yeah. deal. And, um, Everybody's really nice. Get you some water, you know, got me some water. Uh, I stole one of the nurse chairs and said that for a while, just like trying to like renormalize myself with everything. And, um, yeah, you had that, like there's a balloon inside of you with some packing and some gauze. How's she doing over there? Um, just waking up. And, uh, yeah, it was fucking awful, but, um, we're here and that's good. Yeah. I mean, once everything was fine, once ever you were like alive, I was like, this is going to be, yeah, it was just a lot. Yeah. So my experience from that point, 
um, I, ba- I vaguely remember saying goodbye to you guys. And then, um, and then I, Katie, our midwife goes with me. She stays with me the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on the operating table and, um, sorry. it's okay. It's okay. She's a little out of it and uncomfortable because of her procedure. So it's a little hard right now. Here you go. It's hard for her to latch. It's okay. I know it hurts. Oh, no. Doing a great job. There you go, baby. Okay. Mom's going to tell a story about how we came in, how you came into the world. So I'm on the table and. I can't open my eyes at all. I can't really talk. All I hear is a bunch of doctors and nurses and they're like, how do we get here? Where are we? Where we're going? What are we doing? And I felt so taken care of in that moment. I was amazed at shit. how on top of the shit they that were. OB came in and like, it was just like the boss. Yes. And it was, she was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really, um, it was really amazing to experience when you're like not there. Okay. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> It's okay. And you hear people talking about you mm-hmm. and it's just wild. And so that was happening. And I remember them saying like, this is what we're doing. And then they put my legs up in these stirrups. And all of a sudden I felt this gush again. And I thought that I was losing a lot of blood. And I was like, I remember putting my hand to Katie and I was like, blood, blood. And she goes, no, it's poop. I was literally just shitting. Like diarrhea was like shooting out of my body. And I don't know why, but it was like, it was everywhere. And they like had all these people like coming to clean and they just kept reassuring, reassuring me. It wasn't blood. Cause yeah. I'm thinking I'm, I'm literally dying on this table right now. And they're yeah. like, no, 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 no. it's poop. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so I calmed down a little bit and they're, they stick this balloon inside of me and then they fill me with gauze and I can't really feel anything because of the epidural. Thank God. Like, thank God we had the epidural mm-hmm. because of the way they had to yank the placenta out. This whole experience would have been vastly different um, if I had had to feel everything. And so then I get to a point on the table and I'm only in there for 20 minutes. So everything was so fast, but I had this moment where I was fading and I felt myself dying and I felt myself very calmly have a choice. I felt like I can leave right now. And I was very nonchalant about it. It's like, Oh, I could go. Like, I don't have to stay here. And I kept thinking about the will. Like you mentioned, I kept thinking, Oh, I'm so glad that I just finished the will. Connor will be okay. And then all of a sudden I saw you and I saw Roe and I'm like, no, I want to be alive. I want to be alive. I want to be alive. And I was repeating it over and over in my head. And it was like, I snapped too so quickly. And then I, they were done. And that was it. I was like, they're like, okay, you transfusions over, you're filled up. The bleeding stopped. Like you're okay. And then they wheeled me out. And it was like that moment where I got to decide, do I want to be here or not? And I, Mm -hmm. I know, and I was thinking about this last night, like, you guys were my reason to live. Like you are my reason to live and it's, it's all worth it because of you. And so we go to the recovery room. Katie's still with me. And I remember I'm super out of it, but I look up and I see you and I, then I see her. And in that moment, I knew the way you handled it. So much of it was because you knew that I had a traumatic birth Mm -hmm. and you knew that I had been taken away from my mom and you knew that that fucked me up my entire life. And you were so intentional in the way that you showed up in the scariest moment for both of us. 
And for her, I mean, she just was alive. It's the scariest moment for all three of us. And you knew exactly what to do. And it was so powerful for me to be able to rewrite the script of my own birth, to have something really hard with her, but to be able to come out of it and her feeling so loved and so taken care of and not like my mommy didn't want me or I'm not loved no, or whatever I, that was. Giving you a kiss and making sure that then make sure as soon as you could have her near you again. You put her right on me. Mm -hmm. Um and I remember I was so out of it, but I just remember you putting her on me. And I just kept thinking, he knows exactly what needs to happen right now. And I was so grateful for all of it because it was such a wild and unexpected experience. And once again, like you and I have been through a lot of shit in our relationship so far, a lot of death and a lot of hard things. Mm -hmm. And once again, it was like, this is how we show up. And it was really profound. And thank God she was perfect and healthy and amazing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where, where it leaves off and everything's been okay since. Yeah. Then it's just been super fun stuff that we'll talk yeah. about in the other in shows episode. that aren't about birth yeah. uh, <laughs> and parenting and all that kind of stuff. Does that feel we'll like a today. good place to sort of end I think that, that does. Story? That was, you know, we it's were there for another, you know, I did, we did have to have a, I loved, I loved the birth gender center situation at, at Denver health. After that, I was kind of like over everything and like, Super we, had the we had the pediatrician come in and I'm like, it's like, you know, I have a feeling that you guys have heard a lot of this stuff before. And I'm like, lady, I'm done with this place. I'm done with this conversation with you. I'm not giving my kid a hepatitis vaccine. Well, Leave me alone. They just kept saying like, if you don't do this, your baby's probably going to die. And we were just like, it's funny because I've been dealing with that. So I've been dealing with doc, like people for so long that I'm like, Kelly can handle this one. She's, yeah. she's, she's rested. Yeah. I'm like, no, we're good. Oh, and about the fentanyl, rested. let's, let's, let's recover. Cause we did skip the fentanyl parts. So like Kelly didn't want fentanyl in her epidural. I'm just going to briefly go over this. Uh, I looked over at the pump. I saw that it said fent and I was like, oh shit. I knew the code hours later though. Like 12 hours later. Yeah. Um, and then I go in the, listen, here's the deal. Anesthesiologists in general have the worst bedside manner. That's why they're anesthesia. They put people to sleep. Like the one that whenever I got my procedure, Sucked. I hated her. She was cute, but I wasn't into it. Uh, she was awful. Um, and I've had that, like, this is how it is, you know, for most of them. So she was really confused. And here's the, I understand that like, if you watch Fox news, like you think fentanyl is like going to jump out of the, like jump out of the dark corners and like stab you in the throat. I understand that. And you know, as someone who does recreational drugs every now and then I'm scared of fentanyl. That being said, let's just have this conversation. This is what the analogy I used. If they, if you get a bottle that says it's BPA free, well, they just replace BPA with BPS or BPF, which do the exact same thing. So listen, if you get a fentanyl free epidural, right? Fentanyl has a purpose. It's very strong and it's in and out fast, right? So it's like, I understand that fentanyl is scary. And if you do it in cocaine, you can die. But in this situation, it's like, they're just replacing it with another opioid. It's not like they're like taking fentanyl out and replacing it with sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. It's not yeah. a homeopathic. Yeah, It's not like, Oh, we're going to put it we're Yeah. We're just putting in baby Tylenol instead. Yeah. Like if that shit were, you know, so it's like, I think there's, a, and I understand their frustration with that, but I think there's an energetic kind of thing around fentanyl, which is kind of scary. And I get that. But at the same time I had, to, that's what, exactly what I told you. I'm like, listen, it's not like they, they take it out and, and, and have an other option for people who are freaked out. But like at the end of the day, 
opioids is opioids, man. You know what I mean? Like Oxycontin has a place. And I've said all this stuff, like it, it doesn't need to be prescribed. Is it way overprescribed? Yes. Do SSRIs, SSRIs have a place? Yes. Are they overprescribed? Yes. Right. Is fentanyl a problem? Yes. Does it have a place? Yes. Like these are, there's nuance to all of these things. And I know that like you were really upset about that. That's why I wanted to have that conversation and then like relay that information to you in a way it's like, Hey, there's epidural is epidural, man. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're taking painkillers. Yeah. I melted down and then immediately was like, well, it's already in my system. I've been doing this for hours now it's working and it's working and there's no going back at this point. So like, whatever I had to just get over it really quickly. I had had the anesthesiologist come by just so she could explain it. And she was like, I'm just really confused as to what, why don't you want fentanyl? And I was like, cause I don't fucking want fentanyl. (laughs) And And she was like, Oh, I was like, actually, I think you're fine. I'll handle this. Yeah. She like like, kicked her out. I was like, you're good. This is, this is what you do. Connor, I said, I didn't want it. He's like, I know, but this is what happened and you handled it very well. But also I was on one. It was, <laughs> it was not really lit. Funny. Yeah. So let's try and take, we're going to, we were an hour and 20 minutes in almost yeah, here. So we'll take a few questions. We've already answered most of these um, yeah, because so, we are very chatty. And we'll do, so, we'll do some more too. I know this is a pretty long birth story, but yeah. So we'll do some more Q and a type stuff, but I think anything that you can do for your own, do on your show. And then anything yeah, that yeah. Is per, it, you know, involves me. We can totally here. Yeah. Cause uh, spoiler alert, I'm bringing back my goddamn show. Um, okay. So here's a great question. How much does it cost to give birth at home the way you guys did? Well, we didn't birth at home. If we would have birthed at home, how much would it have cost? It would have been, um, $6,000 between the midwife and the doula. Plus we paid our birth coach $3,000 because we didn't do birth classes. Um, so about $9,000 for the birth team. Plus, um, we also had a photographer. I don't remember how much that cost. It was maybe couple grand, $2,500. I mean, if you really want it, it, it depends. Yeah. It could be 6,000. It could probably be five. It could probably yeah. be 12. Yeah. It could be 15. It could be a hundred. It, it, but do, you can go, it depends on what your situation is. Yeah. And then with the transfer to the hospital so far, the amount of bills I've seen is about $35,000. Um, it looks like we should only be having to pay our deductible, which is about 4,000. Um, so Yeah. All of that added up, um, yeah. about four thousand plus nine thousand, and then we'll see how many other bills come in. Because I did have a hospital visit a couple of days after she was born. And we do have a friend that actually one of our neighbors who just had a baby who runs through. She used to work. She worked in the health industry for a long time, or healthcare industry, not the health industry. Those are two mm-hmm. separate, very separate things, and in no way correlated. Um, in the healthcare industry, uh, for a long time, so she can actually look through and look at the codes, and you can like they were trying to charge them five thousand dollars or six thousand dollars for negotiating with their insurance company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were. Like they were paid a negotiation fee. Like they do some really sketchy shit. So if you can have someone, if you know, if you have a hospital birth or something like that, if you have somebody that can go through your bill itemized and always, 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 no matter what procedure you get, ask for an itemized bill. And then if you can go through that and you can call them up and say, Hey, what's this about? What's that about? And a lot of times it's annoying to them, but it'll save you a lot of money. Well, what did we, I showed you $7,000 for room and board. I was like, what is this? A goddamn bed and breakfast, like room and board. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's two nights. That's two nights in a hospital. Okay. So someone asked how my feelings or hormones change towards Connor, how I feel about him. Um, she said, wondering if birth has an effect on feelings towards a father. Um, well, when I was doing IVF and I reminded Connor of this so lovingly this morning (laughs) that I was not attracted to him for half of last year, um, because the hormones just screwed with me. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
what I will say is I've never felt closer to you, more in love with you, more attracted to you, not only in the birth experience, but also watching you be a dad because you are definitely in your zone of genius. And (laughs) this is what you're meant to do with your life. Um, (laughs) And you've been so supportive. I mean, when we got home, I did, I ended up getting nine stitches because I had a couple from her. Um, which was really easy. But mm-hmm. then when homegirl yanked my placenta out, uh, we yeah, added seven. Of, there to was the only mix. a couple. Yeah. There was a, like a few like up top tears up top, like two tears up top. Like we call them clitoral tears, I think, or something like that. Like no, right, I thought that I had perineum tears from her. I think it may be one up and one down. Oh, it was something okay. like that. There's only two tears, but yeah. then once they started going in, that's when the tears really, that's when like the labia tears happened. And yeah. I have they, stitches I mean, on the labias top, in bottom. In that scenario, that's the least of your concerns. Yeah. Um, why did they, why did that come up though? Because we can't have sex. (laughs) Well, yeah, we can't have sex. But no, because I was saying, I was going to say, I mean, you were literally helping me change. You were putting my pants on, taking my clothes off, helping me shower, helping me get It's a different kind of like intimacy, a different level of love. It is a different, it's very different. I mean, like, and there was like a a time there where I was just like super like sexually, I don't know, maybe it's a fucking pheromones. Maybe it's just the time. And but there was like a week where I was you know yeah you were one. all about it and we had to find creative ways to like fool around and stuff it's like we're in yeah junior we're, high. we're gonna do an episode on that yeah that'd be good. fun <laughs> oh my gosh our daughter is the cutest little thing ever um someone asked if i've experienced postpartum depression i have not i'm extremely fortunate yeah, let's talk a little bit about that um I know that so many women experience this and I know that it can come later. So i'm very aware that i'm not one, necessarily one yeah like in the clear but Um, I think I'm really fortunate. And again, you know, not to fucking boost Connor's ego any more than I have. Um, but having a partner who is extremely present, supportive, is able to take time off. We're very lucky that we run our own company. We're very, um, fortunate to have the flexibility running our podcast. He's been able to take time. He takes her in the morning. I get to nap. She's actually a really good sleeper. So I sleep pretty well. We co-sleep. Um, which has been super helpful. My nutrition has been on point throughout my whole pregnancy, postpartum, you cook for me. We eat really well. My supplements are incredible. We have so much support. Your mom was here. My brother and his wife were here. They flew in as soon as they found out what was happening with their emergency surgery. So, I mean, we've had friends come bring food. We have been been so set up and and I know we're very privileged. Uh, This is a case for paternity leave. And I'll say this to the, like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, all these postpartum emotional issues. So much that correlate with nutrition. And this is not, you could have the best nutrition and get all the sleep in the world and still have a lot of things are going on in your body. And this is not to shame anyone. This is nothing like that. But I'm just saying, if you can do everything you can that you would do like over the top, as far as what you would do with any kind of like depressive issue, which is, are you getting quality sleep? Are you able to move as much? Like we walked down to, it was a huge win. Like how many wins can you get? We walked to the end of the driveway Yeah, and maybe like a hundred yards down the road. And you're like, that's all I got today. And that was it. So we yeah. walked right back, you know, and we want to start going on, especially when it gets, it's been really cold, but once it gets a little warmer, we can go and walk the row and take the stroller out. Like, but that's the same thing. It's like, are, were you working out? No. But like, was that a huge win? Absolutely. Yeah. And getting a little, getting more sleep. Like I take the baby usually from five to eight, nine, sometimes six to nine, just like in the, whatever that first few hours of the morning is. And I know, okay, well, Kelly's getting two good sleep cycles. Right. And plus you're probably in a state of like non-sleep deep rest for six, seven hours at night. So that's better than, you know, a lot of people, don't, a lot of people don't get that much sleep anyways, no. <laughs> you know, or that much rest anyways. Um, 
but then if she scrums around a lot, it's different. And yeah, we were up a lot last night. Yeah. It's, it's never it going to be or last yesterday. It was different because she slept in the morning and I ended up sleeping in too late and it was, there's chaos, but like generally speaking, we have a good system going. Um, and the food quality is really high. Uh, you know, make sure to get enough calories, like all these things that really would help any kind of emotional inst- like issue or instability. I think if you can apply all those to the postpartum period with a lot of diligence, and again, Joe Rogan, this is for you. Paternity leave helps a lot with that because I get to cook. I get to take the baby when I can, I can feed the baby. We don't even do bottles, but I use syringe feed with a little, it has a little hose hose on it. There's a lot that can be done here. Um, and I get to a situation where I feel like would be helpful down the road is putting in the time now to where I can be a soothing figure. Will I ever be the mother? No, you're always going to be able to soothe, soothe her better than I can. But if I can be 70% of what you can, as far as soothing goes, and she has that imprinted on her mind by the time she's one, two, three, right. Then it matters. And this, this time is super important for that. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. If you can, if you can go, just look at Gabor Mate's work, um, go look at Dr. Dan Siegel's work. These are really great people. Um, sorry that they're men, if that offends anyone, uh, but they are really helpful. I mean, they're huge to, advocates for women in the state. So then, then Gabor Bate talks about how midwives have just put him in his place numerous times yeah. <laughs> with all of his medical, degree, medical degrees. And Dan Siegel Moore has, um, he has this like a model of the brain that's really easy to understand. And he even writes books for children about brain development for themselves. Mm-hmm. So he's a really, if you can, to me, knowledge and wisdom are, 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 measured by how well you can explain something to a child. If you can explain like that's with fitness, it was the same thing. If you can explain it to to a child, how to snatch a PVC pipe, then teaching an adult is fucking simple. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I, to, to Connor's point about paternity leave, no, is he with Roe as much as me? No, I'm with her 90% of the time. I'm the one caring for her, doing for her, but he, he will take her to swaddle her. He will bounce her. Yeah, he will walk around with her. <laughs> yeah. I don't even swaddle. I'm like, here, swaddle her. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I delegate and I have no problem doing that because I know he doesn't have the boobs. He's not feeding her. He's not up with her all night, but he can do what he can do. He's cleaning the house. I just started doing the dishes like three days ago. I didn't do dishes for almost an entire month. You did all the dishes. You did all the cooking. You made me breakfast every morning. Like, yeah. And in that time, if everything. I can, in that gap where she's up in the morning, I'm I'm usually working or, um, if she's asleep, I'll make, I'll make enough breakfast for two and just put it in Tupperware. And even if you don't eat it that day, you you know, down the road, whatever, no big deal. Totally. So I just think having that help. And also like I had a breakdown a couple of nights ago and I could not stop crying. And he's like, at first you were like annoyed with me. Cause I was like, what are you crying about? What's going on? And then you realize, and you literally said like, are you like having like postpartum emotions? Like, is this is like coming out Is this hormones? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And you were so helpful and you were like, you're doing such a great job. Like you're such a good mom. Like you, she loves you so much. And just being able to voice that I think is really important. I think most people don't have a safe place to voice things, whether it's with their partner or their friends. I have so much of that. And that is truly, I think what gives me the, um, the sense of stability and being held. And so I don't go down that spiral. Yeah. And I think we'll do more Q and a stuff. So if there's anything in that, that you feel like we could be of help with and let us know. Yeah. Um, okay. How does Connor feel about witnessing this transition of you into motherhood? It's so new to me and I never really saw it in my life in this way. That was this, this, like my mom got pregnant with me when she was 19 I like my sister had her kids young, but I wasn't really around. She's the the best mom. Her Mm -hmm. kids are feral little shitheads, but they're so fucking awesome. Her kids are, her boys are, she has three boys and they're just like, 
dirt bikes, mud, chasing chickens around, wrestling with the dog. Like they're just, they're crazy kids. They're so, they're so funny. Um, I cannot wait to see them when we go down to Texas pretty soon. And uh, I'll get to take one of them. Oldest one, I think, might go hunting with me, which I'm very excited about because mm-hmm. I've wanted to introduce kids to that for a long time. But this is something I've been ready for, for or I've wanted for a long time. I wouldn't say I'm ready or was ready, but you know, with Kelly, this is something I had never seen before. Of like, we're in our mid 30s, like we've lived life and we're doing this thing. It's like a lot of changes happen in your life in your 20s, and I think if you have kids in life, that that's a huge change early in life. But it's like we've we're a little bit more like I think what kids people have kids less kids later isn't necessarily because biological clock. It's just like the shifts are huge. Mm-hmm. And with us, you know, I've seen you just kind of really step into it. And it's funny because like things that seem to have mattered like a year ago, like don't matter as much, like the priorities shift and you become like your body changes and the way, but it's like, it doesn't, it's just, it's just, it's hard. It's so hard to put words to like, even this is, it's like the labor. It's like, I don't, it's so incredible. It's, it's, it's awesome. And like the real meaning of awesome, not like awesome bro, but like yeah. worthy of awe. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I mean, you feel the baby lives, like you feed it with your body. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> like it's, it's, you made it inside of you. Like, it's just, all of this stuff is just to me, it's just mind blowing. And you know, it's, you, I, I, you can look at it conceptually in a biology book and be like, oh, that's interesting. Or see animals do it. And that's even beautiful, right? Like watching, we've watched pup, dogs have puppies and it's like, wow, that's amazing. But like, it's, this is our little person. And like, this is like a little, you know, she's got crazy hair. She's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. You said the other day, I can't, sorry, I'm no, it's okay. So I'm going to help you a little bit. Cause you said the other day, you've never been more attracted to me. Yeah. And, but you Which said, very it's different. not, yeah, you said it's not even in a physical way. So can you explain what that meant for you? I mean, it is physical, but it's not like, oh, you got like, you tightened up. What is it? I knocked up tightened. It wasn't yeah. like, it's not like that. It's not like, Oh yeah. You look, it's like objectively you looked better before you got pregnant before we did IVF. You know what I'm saying? Like better quote unquote. Right. Right. But it's just like, there was a metaphysical type of just like draw like a magnet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though we can't do anything with it. It was just like, you know, I mean, it's because you've been pregnant for so long that like my evolutionary brain, my lizard brain goes like, Oh, she's ready again. Yeah. <laughs> Breed, <laughs> make more. No, <laughs> but maybe that's what it was, but I don't know. But you know, it's like, I think just really, it's just a deeper, deeper, deeper level of connection. I think it was just like took caught me off guard a little bit because there was so many things going on that that wasn't even on my mind really. Yeah. And then it just like slapped me in the face, which was sweet. Yeah. That's cool. Um, how are you getting support for your birth trauma? So Um, I immediately scheduled craniosacral appointments for myself and for Roe. Um, she has had two appointments now. She's also seen a chiropractor. Um, and we have both gotten a ton of body work. I have processed the birth with our doula, with our midwife, with Connor and our birth coach. Um, And to be quite frank, really don't want to talk about it anymore (laughs) because it's, I don't want it to be my story or her story. Mm -hmm. It's an experience that all three of us had. And, um, I don't, it's not something that needs to pattern that needs to take hold that needs to define us. Um, and I feel very fortunate that I've been able to process it and been able to move it through my body. And I continue to do so more and more as I'm more emotionally available, more grounded, more present in my body. 
and just allowing her to sort of unravel from it. Um, I will be doing plant medicine, um, to further kind of step into that, um, and see if there's anything else that needs to come forward. Um, and something Connor and I have talked about is, um, the integration of it all. And again, back to Gabor Mate, we were discussing, it's so important to have these conversations with her and to tell her, remember when mommy had to leave you at the hospital and, you know, explaining what happened so that she's aware and can ask questions, but also it doesn't imprint on her in a negative way that will affect her when she's 30, the way it did for me. Yeah. One thing I was really, um, if you've heard me say the word principles enough times today, but like, it's something that I've really, I used to talk a lot about value determination and when I would coach folks, it would be a lot around, um, values and understanding, but I think the word principles actually is a little bit more foundational to me at this point, but we were talking, I was reading, uh, Gabor's new book, the myth of normal. And I re- he was talking about something. I mean, it may have actually been dancing. All of it kind of runs together to me, but talking about integration and in children. And we think about integration of psychedelic experiences, but like integration of experiences in general, whether it was like a little car accident or something like these, these things can imprint on you. And like, you can have these like manifestations of that experience down the road. But if you can integrate those appropriately at the level of the child's capacity, that's really important. So like she obviously can't integrate that now, you know, all we can do now is like have her feel the way we love her, you know, and, and be present and yada, 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 all the stuff that we talk about with, but with something like that, that was, you know, like kids can hold on to that, those things. So it's important to know that and move forward. And, and that's one of the principles that I wanted to have as a parent was like this, this, um, focus and prioritizing integration of experiences. What that means getting bullied. It could be a good thing. It could be integrating good at positive experiences, right? Like me say you want to say she wins a golf tournament. Um, and it's like, Hey, like, like looking at that, like, what did, where, where, how did you win? Oh, Hey, I know you want to play golf really bad. Just like me. That's why I'm crying. Um, looking at that saying like, how, how did you win? Like what, what get, got you to that level? And like having these conversations where it's like, they're processing. It's okay, baby girl. I know it hurts a little. They're processing those experiences and you're, uh, um, kind of a grounding point for them to do so. And if there's something negative happens, it's like, Oh wow. Like, what did that mean? Like who showed, and then kind of turn it to where it's like, like for example, the car accident example he used was like, Hey, yeah, it was really scary. But then like, you know, that she calls it the wee, 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 the, the ambulances came and like they helped and they made sure everybody was safe and everybody ended up being okay. And that was like the moral of the story is like, you know, something bad happened, but people were there mm-hmm. and people helped you and that's good. And that's like, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's sometimes bad things happen and some, and, you know, and it, it was just this like three-year-old girl, but you're having the conversation, not at at her, but with her and her language yeah, and, or with him and his language, whatever that is. And I think that that's really important. It's something I want to focus on more and more as she becomes like lingual and you start having these like dialogues back and forth. hundred yeah. percent agree. So last thing I want to talk about and I'll keep it quick and then we will get out of here is a lot of people ask about how breastfeeding is going. Um, and I know this is a super personal question. Um, and for a lot of people, it's very triggering. My because, milk hasn't come in yet. Yeah. That's so. how it's going. Um, <laughs> So what I will say is it has been um, sort of up and down. She latched early. Everything was good. Then she had a shallow latch. Then it was a deep latch. And then it went back to shallow. My nipples have been shredded. Um, It's been extremely painful on and off for the entire time. Um, She has gotten plenty of milk. She's been growing. My supply hasn't been an issue. Um, My boobs are lopsided as fuck. There's that. But we did um, end up going to meet with a lactation consultant and she- What's her name? 
Her name's I gave her um, a shout out on Instagram Kelly today. Uperio, I think. Um, we'll link her in the show notes. She highly is recommend. Tits, dude. Yeah. Like even if you can't meet with her, her Instagram is super educational. She's basically yeah. a celebrity in this world. Little things like, Oh, getting different um, sized, uh, cups for the, um, pump. pump, like not using the ones that come, comes with one size that doesn't really fit that many people and getting your own. Like one woman said, right. Cause I, I had shared that reel that she did. And she's like, yeah, my husband 3d printed me uh, a measuring thing. So wow. I could measure my area or measure my, whatever, however you measure. He was yeah. like, yeah, he 3d printed me once we could order custom sizes. Yeah. That's how you do like, it. That's wild. Yeah. That's what she did. She measured mine when I was in her office yeah. and told me what size to get. Um, yeah, she's incredible, but she confirmed that Roe had a lip and tongue tie and buckles. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been working with her on positioning and all the exercises. Um, and then we went and saw an incredible dentist um, just down the road. And she did the procedure this morning with a laser. It takes just a few seconds. And I already have breastfed her today and it hurts less. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be doing the exercises. So now I'll be shredding those nips next. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Thank God. Um <laughs> Uh, I'll be doing the exercises with her about six times a day for the next six weeks, which is exhausting and scary because it definitely is uncomfortable for her. And it's not fun for me, um, to do that to her. But at the same time, you know, there's so many things that can happen from having ties. Um, Connor has a tongue tie. It's odd though, because I have a great jawline and really straight teeth. But she said that could probably be because you were wearing those mouth guards in football that it helped move yeah, your jaw kids had, forward. Kids had braces by the time we were in sixth grade. That's oh. when I started wearing, I started wearing a mouthpiece in the fourth grade. Okay. Well, maybe, no, actually maybe. But maybe the way yeah. yours is, it didn't put your, your chin back. Cause her freak. chin is back pretty far. She has a lot of tension, um, chin, dog. just a lot of things. So hopefully that released it today. Cause it has been, it has been painful. These are little things that people don't think about. They're not. My, our parents didn't know about this stuff. No. And I know? highly recommend, I was telling our friend who just had a baby, have a, have a lactation consultant ready to meet with you after you have the baby, because I thought everything was fine and it wasn't. And it took me a while, a few days, a week, um, to figure it out, but I did go through pain and there were a lot of things, even if she didn't have ties, there are a lot of things that I didn't know, like the size of the things for the pump, like the positioning, different things you can do, um, when your boobs are different sizes, how to pump properly, all these things I didn't know. So I think that it's worth Little it. Little change you can make inside feeding or with the positioning yes. of the baby to, to help them with the latch. Like there's, it's, it's hard because there's like the, 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 the incentive. I know I'm about to talk about capitalism. The incentive <laughs> in, in the industry is to point you towards something that has a profit motive and right. breastfeeding is free. You know what I mean? It's the cost of food. It makes to make, you know, your body do that. And I think, you know, so much of the information quote unquote is going to point you towards something that's going to make somebody money, mm-hmm. not just a lactation consultant where like you could just like change the positioning of your baby or try this or try that. And instead it's like, Oh no, uh, formula. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like really are pumping bottles. And so, so it's like, I think that, you know, one thing we advocate for is people having, making informed choices, whatever that choice is without shame, but having all the options, um, to choose from not being falsely limited when it comes to those. And lactation appointments are covered by a lot of insurances. Mm -hmm. Ours does not, unfortunately, luckily it's not extremely expensive. Um, but look into that as well and Mm -hmm. see if you can get it covered because it, again, this is a luxury to many people, but if you do have insurance and you can get it covered, I just think that it is such a necessity and such an amazing support. So, yeah. And then we, um, 
in that same vein, something we talked about that we can get out of here was that I don't actually do the math exercises because I don't have the opportunity to feed as much as Kelly does. So I don't want to be associated with like pain and discomfort <laughs> as, as little as I can without having the opportunity to like feed her from my body, mm-hmm. which is something we Yeah. I'm able, I'm able to immediately soothe her after if it Mm -hmm. bothers her. And, um, I totally respect that being your decision. I think that's totally fine. Um, so anyways, let's get out of here. We have no idea what direction we're taking this show necessarily. Um, this is where we're going to start TBD on when the next episode comes out. We're redoing (laughs) the studio. We're super excited. Yeah. Any questions you have, things you want us to cover, please let us know. We're happy to do it. Um, And, you know, we'll talk about sex, psychedelics, parenting, God knows what other crazy shit we get Mm -hmm. into. Um, But we love you guys. Thank you for listening to this. Please share this with a friend if you feel like it would be supportive to them. Please do not share this with a friend if you feel like it's going to cause them trauma before they go into birth. Do not send this to somebody who's seven to nine months pregnant. Yeah. Or just pregnant in general. In general. This may be wait till after. Yep. Um, Unless they've had a leap procedure. Correct. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys later. Love you.